0: Good morning, happy hump day, my fellow statists. Welcome to Adam Loves the Man. I hope you guys are enjoying this new format for the show. It's been a lot of fun this week. Uh, Just uh, amazing to see how much more clear things are when you embrace the fundamental truth of authority and the truth that the censors of the world of today want us to believe in. And it is just ah, such a relief. It is such a relief. I have to apologize a little bit for our late start this morning. Uh, So if you're watching live right now, please share this video. Let everybody know we're still doing the show. We're still doing the show. Adam loves the man. Cannot be stopped. But we did have a few technical difficulties. Uh, related to living off grid here, and you know, I gotta say, it's not worth it. Screw this. I don't want to. I don't want to live off grid anymore. Uh, you know, this has been an important part of my 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 recent revelations is that I I really want to live in a city. Uh, you know, I want to be. I mean, you know, it, it'd be nice. I, I suppose there's there's some temptation, you know, to have a house on on your own piece of land or something like that, even even if you are gonna be in a city, but you know, I, I I feel like I'd almost rather be in an apartment. You know, like I'd. I mean, as long as I'm on grid, as long as I'm, you know, tied into the herd, and you know, I I, I don't feel I realize it's not only is it is is living off grid an, an inconvenience that isn't worth it, but it's it's scary, uh, you know, to be away from the herd like this. I I really want to go back. Uh, you know, I want to go back to living in an apartment. I want to go back. To on-grid electricity and water, and, and being able to take uh, showers for as long as I want, and you know things like that. Then, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, some people will say, like off-griders will say, well, that's that's not even more reliable. You know, look at California; they've got all these brownouts and blackouts. And, and you know, like uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's uh, I I think it's just living off-grid. Just it, it, it just doesn't really uh, you know I mean I guess unless you're unless you're some kind of like anti-social libertarian it's it's just not worth it it's it's not worth being uh, a part of uh, you know or it's just not worth not being a part of of society you know and and you know 5G is coming. Uh, and, and some people are. Some people would say, "Oh, well, but Adam, that's going to make everything off grid so much easier with, when you have 5G everywhere." Well, you know what? I I want to be right next to a tower. I, I mean, you know, I don't I don't want to miss anything. I think part of what we're doing here with Adam loves the man is about getting you plugged in too. It, it really is. I, you know, it, it's for me as your as as your thought leader. It is. You know, it, it is part of my journalistic responsibility to make sure that you are plugged into the herd and the collective, and that, that you know what your uh, your fellow Americans are doing and uh, and things like that. So we have, uh, you know, I, I should I should elaborate a little bit on because you know this this idea of you know what, what is the journalistic responsibility uh, of Adam loves the man. It's it is it is really critical that uh, no one in our audience has to think for themselves, uh, that, that that we are a voice for collectivism, and that means in thought as well. So we have a lot of good stories about that today. We have some stories about uh, surveillance and and censorship uh, for the greater good and, and consolidation, actually. And so that, that, that's the theme of today's show. But first, before we get into that, before we get into even... Well, no, all right, let's get our promotions out of the way. And I got a cool contest that involves Joe Rogan. So let's, uh, let, let's just point out that, that as, as we've gone through this transition, it's been amazing that our, our sponsors have stayed with us. And first, our uh, our, our first affiliate partner, we got to give a shout out on the air today, is cigarfederation.com. Check it out. Promo code ADAM10, all caps ADAM10, gets you 10%. Off your order. That's amazing, and 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 they, you know, this is a responsible company. They they don't sell, uh, you know, a- anything illegal or, or questionable. I know I know they've been accused of that on this show because they have these CBD cigars, and I, and I think they're great. The JSK Nuts, 20 milligrams of CBD in each one. But I gotta point out, it's very important. These are not psychoactive because cannabis. Uh, is is a really dangerous drug. Now, not the plant. I mean, the plant is just it's just a plant, right? Uh, but the THC, the stuff that gets you high, uh, it's it's really dangerous and it has some very uh, negative effects on society when it's allowed to get out of control. But uh, nicotine, alcohol, and caffeine, there's a reason that these drugs are legal, and, and I, I think it's important to recognize uh, the significance of this and that we do. Only the drugs that government wants us to do. And I'm not talking just about pharmaceuticals, of course. But, uh, you know, alcohol, uh, they, they want people to, uh, to be depressed when they want a depressant uh, to, to – uh, to, 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 and, and one of the things I love about alcohol is that, you know, when – you know, there, there are times when government will do things that, that you know, you, maybe you don't understand. And that confusion can lead to frustration. And uh, alcohol definitely helps you accept the authority of government. Uh, nicotine in the form of, uh, of cigarettes. And, uh, of course, you know, the uh, die young. I mean, we don't – I know this is a little out there. And maybe the subject explores uh, or deserves a little more examination later. Of course, we've got comment, Jim, looking at our comments today. If you have questions or you want to get into this, just let me know in the comments there. But uh, the, the, we don't want to burden the government retirement system. You know, we have socialized retirement in America with Social Security, and it's, it's an amazing system. But one of the problems with it is that people are living too long. And so, you know, I, I, I really want to look at smokers uh, in a new light, you know, of, of uh, people who are responsible as citizens for not overburdening government in their old age. I think that's really important. And then caffeine. I mean, think of how many, uh, you know, Americans would not be able to go through their, I guess libertarians would call them, wage slave jobs. You know, it's like, no, screw you. We are part of those people, those good, heroic Americans who work nine to five for a paycheck, who work for the man, the man who I love. They, you know, how many of them would not be able to get through their day? if it, it, it wasn't for caffeine. So, you know, uh, you know I, I don't think this, this show would be possible even without some of these these really effective status drugs. Uh, so where, where are we going with that? Oh, yeah, back to promotions. Uh, if you go to our website, adamlovestheman.com, yes, this website is live. You can go to adamlovestheman.com. You can find a link to our Patreon there. Um, I think we still have some some brand switching to do, but you can go to Patreon support this show. Really appreciate that. For ten dollars a month, you can join the producers club. Um, but we also have a, a contest today, with which you can win membership in the producers club. So here it is. Today, uh, and CJ, <coughs> I, I, I hope you have the clips. Uh, from, from, uh, from Joe Rogan that you shared with the Producers Club last night, Andy. Today, I'm very excited to announce that I have a very big award to give, although it is one that I don't yet have a name for. Uh, and, and, and yeah, we, we have a working title, um, but, uh, and, and the working title is uh, Defender of the Status Quo Award. I think that really speaks to the, the, the spirit of this award and the accomplishments of our uh, our first recipient of this award. But uh, yeah, it's a little awkward, right? Defender of the status quo award. I mean, I'd like to think of myself, you know, defender of the status quo. It's a very it's a very noble thing, you know, and the status quo that we have today is so wonderful in in, in how people are. Collectivized under governments, how people how people are able to come together, and and our leaders are able to force uh, everybody onto the same page when it's called for for the greater good. And uh, so I want to I want to start by by talking about our first honoree today. Uh, if you don't know Joe Rogan, you should know who Joe Rogan is. You know, top podcast in the world, huge audience. Uh, I've been on a show myself, and what you know, I, I think part of Joe Rogan's incredible story is how far he's come from being a rebel to being a conformist. And not just not just any conformist, but uh, you know a leader in conformity. Uh, Joe Rogan used to interview. Uh, libertarians and, and, and other uh, punks and, and rebels and miscreants on his on, on show, The Joe Rogan Experience. And I, I think what, what he did with this, and it, it might have been part of his longer game strategy, which I think is really, you know, there, there's you, know, you don't get to be number one like Joe Rogan if you're not an absolute genius. In, in media production, and, and I really do want to say that there's, there's probably a lot more to the Joe Rogan story now that I'm going to be able to possibly sum up in, in, in just a few minutes here. But he went from uh, interviewing some of the most dangerous people in society. I think what he did is he sucked in uh, a lot of their fans. And that was, that was really amazing what Joe did in terms of building this huge audience uh, from you know by by pulling in people uh, who thought that that you know he kind of he, he basically tricked his audience and this is so genius he basically tricked his audience into thinking that uh, that he was open minded that he wanted to to question authority and and challenge authority and uh, and then he went and endorsed Bernie Sanders and I mean I, I I love Bernie you know I mean I love I love all of our Democrats and Republicans in Washington, but really uh, Bernie Sanders mm, has a special place in my heart for all of the ways that, that he wants to grow government and his commitment in his career to growing government and, and forcing uh, Americans uh, onto the same page. It, it's really incredible. And so not only that, but Joe Rogan was able to get a deal with Spotify that they have been, uh, you know, leaking, promoting as a hundred million dollar deal. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I, to the critics who say that he sold out, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, what greater objective do we have as human beings than to collect fiat currency, uh, to, to get to get our 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 score up in terms of dollars? And I, Joe Rogan is one of the winners. He's one of the biggest winners. That, that America has ever produced. And you know, one of the things that, that I really appreciate is you know, how he has such uh, control over, over his audience now that they're all gonna be voting for Republicans and Democrats. I think it's safe to say that Joe Rogan has done a great job leading his audience to support the duopoly and the status quo. And so you know I don't think anybody in Joe Rogan's audience is going to be throwing their votes away on uh, on any libertarians and just as an example of that we have a clip from uh, one of his recent episodes with Alex Jones and by the way Alex Jones was another I mean this is a tough call you know for who we were going to award uh, our first defender of the status quo, Lord. I mean, do we give it to Alex Jones or do we give it to Joe Rogan? Ooh, really, really tough call here because, uh, you know, Alex Jones has been such a great supporter of Donald Trump's fascism, uh, him consolidating power, the power of the federal government. Uh, Alex Jones has been, you know, has has done some very similar things to, to Joe Rogan, in terms of being um, a good shepherd for his audience. You know, I think I think perhaps, I mean, how do we measure the, the success of, of these two great media producers, these two great on-air personalities, these two great intellects, these two great activists? I, I You know, how many libertarians have they converted to statism? And, you know, with, what Alex Jones did was suck in, uh, a, a lot of people who would have been inclined to dangerous ideas by looking at conspiracies and conspiracy theories, and then going uh, and, and basically turning around and saying, "Well, let, let's just support Trump for president." And so I, I think he's—he's. He's, I mean, whew, these these two men are really just both in, incredible uh defenders of the status quo at this point despite you know they both have interesting backstories that have led them to this but uh particularly joe rogan recently uh interviewed alex jones and uh a, a couple subjects came up uh so cj if you would please go ahead and roll that first clip uh from that interview
1: that's not happening. sure. They've decided that it's better to make them cheaper, or better to have a higher profit margin and make them in other countries, or at least they decided that initially, and now they're stuck. Let me ask you this: Who do you think is going to win? In fact, I'll, I will be very subdued now. Sometimes so Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, I think Joe Jorgensen has a great shot. She's she's a shoo-in. <laughs> And then Kanye West. I think Joe Rogan said Kanye West. I think it's a it's a nail bite it's it's neck and neck. That drives me crazy. I think it's neck and neck, yeah. right?
0: Now there's there's a lot to unpack from just those comments and how effective they are. Because first of all, Joe Rogan uh, is showing that he's very aware. He knows who the threat is to uh, to his worldview, to his power, and uh, to the I'm sorry, not his power, uh, the the power of of government in society. And uh, that's, that's Joe Jorgensen, the, the, the libertarian. She, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about her very much because I don't want to give her that airtime. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about, you know, Joe Jorgensen's policies about smaller government or this, this crazy idea uh, that, that you could, you could keep the federal government going as a voluntary whatever. Not, I mean, it's, her ideas are just absolutely ridiculous. And first of all, you know, that Joe Rogan is aware of the threat it is just a testament to his intellect. You know, most Americans haven't heard of Joe Jorgensen, thankfully. And if, if the first they hear about her is this comment from Joe Rogan, then they're going to be able to put her in her place appropriately. And, and I, just, I love the sarcastic dismissal. Right. That's, and that, that's the next thing is just sort of the, the verbal, the rhetorical genius of Joe Rogan, uh, because when when he dismisses her that way, uh, you know, I think most people are going to who hear him are going to take on that same attitude and go, Joe Jorgensen, libertarian. And, and that's that's really the attitude that we want most Americans to have. Well, actually, I mean, we don't want the libertarian party to exist at all. So, uh, you know, the sooner that we can get more Americans to, to take on that uh, appropriately dismissal attitude, uh, the dismissive attitude, the better. The other thing that's interesting to point out here is that Joe Rogan mentioned Kanye West, who we did interview. And Kanye, you know, if you listen to that interview, I mean, I was, it was so enlightening. These, both Kanye and Joe Rogan are just such incredible geniuses. I know some people say, "Well, no, Adam, that's not true. They're just famous and and popular because uh, corporate America loves them and they've been promoted by the powers that be and they're really just pawns now." No, I mean, listen to the interview. Listen to the whole three hours. And you'll see what genius uh, you know th- these two men have. And now, as, as for Kanye, uh, Kanye would be. An incredible president for America. The way that he wants to apply the power uh, of the federal government to improve your life, uh, to, to 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 do everything that God is telling him to do. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that's kind of held back societies that uh, not our politicians have really, you know, political leaders uh, have really listened to God and said, you know, well, when God tells me that I need to start a war, I need to start a war. A lot of people are afraid. And, you know, God tests our our political leaders, too. This is why I love George W. I mean, the the W. The W! Yeah, that's right. George W. Bush, you know, started two wars because God told him to. You know, that takes some real courage. So, um, CJ, would you play the next clip from that interview, please?
1: 19 months or something. Alex, if I showed you the list of people that are trying to get on this fucking show, it would make your head spin. I know, but I live down the street. I understand. I don't care. You don't want me 30 minutes on election night? We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. But I'm just saying, i I, I, survive without it. It's very difficult for me to manage a fucking small fraction of the number of people that are trying to get on. Well, this is an epic podcast.
0: So I just want to think, uh, you know, when when Joe Rogan acknowledges that in, in context with uh, with with Doctor Joe Jorgensen, the Libertarian, uh, just because he's been trying to get on the show, and I'm and a lot of Libertarians have been, you know, trying to get Joe Rogan to to interview the Libertarian uh, before the election, because uh, but but, but I, I think Joe Rogan knows his power, uh, and he knows that he can't even interview. Joe Jorgensen and and give her that platform directly uh, without her getting a lot of votes. And and so I'm I'm really glad that that Joe has has turned down the opportunity to interview Jorgensen uh, this election cycle. And that's, uh, it's it's just, the other thing, I got to finish this part of the story with Joe is that, when, when he uh, took his $100 million deal with Spotify and, and got that much closer to the man, <clears throat> uh, he, he, he cleaned up his past. Uh, there, there were a number of interviews uh, that he had done with the Joe Rogan experience that were just not appropriate. Uh, you know, to, to, the way that he, because he, there are some people that, that he's interviewed in the past. I'd like to see him maybe interview again and go back and tell them how wrong they are instead of just, you know, giving them this platform, this, this immense platform that he's built for himself. Uh, but when he moved over to Spotify, uh, they, well, I mean, what they did was really clever. And uh, I think everybody believed it, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool how they pulled this off. Because when they moved over to Spotify exclusively with the Joe Rogan experience, uh, a lot of the uh, less appropriate interviews of his uh, didn't make it, it, it to, to the new archive. And so they, <coughs> excuse me, they, uh, Spotify came out with a statement and said that it was because of technical difficulties. And, you you know, I, I don't want people to think about that too much because you would realize if you thought about that, that that's absurd that they're not doing this because of technical difficulties. Uh, They're, they're doing that because uh, they're, they're sensory. And and this is a really, I mean, I I don't, CJ, get that off the screen. This is like, I don't want to promote any of these names. These are dangerous people that really need to be shut up. And for Joe Rogan, uh, really stepping up and and correcting his past and being a defender of the status quo, I'm proud to award Joe Rogan the first ever Adam versus the Man Defender of the Status Quo Award. Now, for today's contest, you can win membership in the Producers Club if uh, you can come up with a better name for this award. So let me know what you think. Uh, let's go to Comment Jim here. And see what comments we have uh, now. Someone in a producers' club is saying that they're you now Fester Fink, If you could elaborate on this, if you're uh, if you're listening now, I just I saw your your comment here in the producer club chat that says uh, they voted to censor the comment, uh, but some guy on Periscope said Adam is a complete lunatic. Uh, what's all that about? Let's get If you could uh, explain that, please. But Jim, welcome to the show. Coming to us from the great city metropolis of Phoenix, Arizona. How are you doing this morning, brother? I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? Excellent,
2: excellent. We got right out of the gate. 1054 wants you to be sure to check with local authorities on whether your contests are breaking any gambling
0: regulations. Ooh, yeah. You know what? I, I, I appreciate that. Although we've been doing this for a while, I don't think we've run into any problems in the past. It is it is kind of walking that fine line, and we do really want to be uh, aware of all of those lines to make sure we don't even get close to any of them. So thank you for that
2: reminder. Okay, uh, we got our first gate coming out of the gate from Philip Anderson, who says the status quo award.
0: The status quo award. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, we'll we'll put that in consideration. You, you're you're the leader for now on. That's one that we can, we can do that. All right,
2: what else we got? Uh, Craig Doherty says, thank goodness Joe didn't embarrass Adam by broadcasting your interview with him.
0: We're not going to talk about that. Next comment.
2: Moving on. Okay. Uh, earlier when you were talking about the drugs and stuff, Philip Anderson also said, alcohol is the greatest government trophy ever. When I'm confused, I drink more alcohol. That's his go-to drug.
0: Yeah, no, and, 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 you know, a lot of times, you know, being a statist, uh, you know, being someone who loves government appropriately can be very confusing. Uh, because there are a lot of, I mean, one, we're talking about, uh, you know, a big, big effort. I mean, the biggest, most important thing that we are doing as a species right now is organizing government. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, Groping our way, maybe uh, maybe sniffing our way to uh, to a better world, and when we do that, you know, there's there are a lot of challenges, and, and, and oftentimes you'll see, you know, politicians contradict each other, and it, it's hard to know, uh, you know, who to trust. It's hard to know who to believe, especially when there are infiltrators. You know, there there are a lot of people who uh, who infiltrate government for you know, inappropriate personal gain as opposed to the collective good. And, and oftentimes they will subvert the, the efforts of our noble leaders like Trump and Biden in, in such a way that it's confusing. And, you know, in times like that, it's best to just to, to, to have a drink and relax and uh, forget about it you know, let that stuff go and just, just have confidence in your leadership and know that if you vote Democrat or Republican, everything's going to be okay.
2: Okay, a couple more guesses uh, for the contest. Bester Fink says the Conformity Captain Award.
0: Conformity? <clears throat>
2: He's ineligible anyway, but it's funny.
0: Well, you can do Captain of Conformity?
2: That, that, that might sound better, I suppose. Uh, Joe... Uh, Han- Hanush, the good authoritarian.
0: The good authoritarian? Or well, there's
2: he has another guest. No, no,
0: no. Hold on, hold on. There's no such thing as anything other than a good author. If you're an author- that's a that's a redundant term. That's probably I mean, the is there he such a, his answer. like really is, is there such a thing as a bad authoritarian? So I think you'd have to call it the best authoritarian award if you wanted to go that way with it.
2: Oh, that makes more sense. Or uh, well, he changed his answer anyway to the force award.
0: The force award, Yeah, but see, uh, the, the, not everybody who promotes statism uh, uses force directly, and that's that's uh, one of the brilliant things about statism is that uh, it's a lot of people are are tricked into it. Uh, and deceived into it, not just forced into it. And you know, really, it, it's very little. You know, the, the less force we can use, the better. The more that we can get people to to obey and comply without using direct force, the better. And and so, you know, that you see my point, Jim. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. uh, okay. So our Producer who is obviously ineligible wanted to chime in with one the Sheeple's Choice Award. <laughs> the Sheeple's Choice. Uh,
0: you no, know, I, I, I don't think that's appropriate. I, I, I think it, you know it's, it. Then what, what that's referring to? I, I think that's a troll comment. That's what that is. That's someone trolling me no screw you I get I, I, I'm too clever I'm not I'm not gonna fall for that <laughs> gosh no um, let's see uh, uh, there are, there are some people who are against uh, there are people out there who just hate people there there are anti-humane miscreants out there who Really, they—they uh, they just hate everybody. They're—they're they're just so demeaning that they—they're willing to look at this beautiful thing that we do and coming together, uh, you know, marching in lockstep with government. That, uh, you know, I, th- th- this is such a, an amazing. Thing that humanity is capable of of working together of giving up our individuality for the greater good, and they they want to you know demean that by comparing people to animals, by by comparing those of us who who really recognize the value of that you know herd mentality as Donald Trump called it. Remember, he was Donald Trump was talking about COVID. In an interview, and uh, and and said that uh, he was trying to say herd immunity, and he said uh, herd mentality, and and I, I think that's uh, that, that's a much more useful idea. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Donald Trump has so many incredible, powerful ideas uh, for applying government power that, you know, sometimes those things slip out. And instead of saying herd immunity, he says herd mentality. And, you know, that, that, again, that herd mentality is is kind of uh, dismissive sometimes uh, or dismissed sometimes. But if, if you really examine it, it's a very important idea that, that most uh, Americans are, are doing very well. Uh, most Americans really do stick to the herd. We, uh, we, we really do obey our leaders for the most part, and and that's a huge thing to be celebrated. So to those who, you know, screw you, to those who would, who would call uh, conformists sheep or the sheeple, no, I, I'm not going to fall for that.
1: I'm right here, Adam. <laughs> yes, sir? I, I, I'm right here. I, I think the Sheeple's Choice Award is the perfect answer to, the, to this award, uh, because uh, again, we are that collective herd. We are the sheeple worshiping at the altar of the state. So there. Okay. Okay. So we
0: would we would be taking it the word
1: sheeple, it. We, we embrace it and repurpose it for for the greater good of humanity. All right, all right. You know, then um, you know,
0: I like that. Now, you know what? I like it. All right, all right. The sheeple's choice award. Well, for now, let me say congratulations to Joe Rogan for being the first recipient of the Adam Loves the Man Sheeples Choice Award. But we, I'm, I'm still open to better ideas. If, if we get something better than that, uh, we, we could change this. Uh, we've got, we've got another, uh, uh we've got a bit left of the show today. Let's see, we're only got uh, 33 minutes in with my opening rants before we, before we, 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 we do have some very important news. Uh, to cover today, but uh, yeah, we, we have some time. If anybody wants to come up with a, a better suggestion than uh, the Sheeple's Choice Awards, you know, we we can take some more well, contests.
2: Noosh has a spin on it. He says the wolf is the leader of the sheep, so we'll call it the wolf award.
0: Hmm... Maybe yeah, no, the wolf isn't the leader of the sheep. The shepherd is the leader of the sheep, or you might even say that the uh, oh, his the assistant, the shepherd, the sheep. or the sheepdog. Movement. The sheepdog, hmm. the wolf, right? you know
1: you know, you know the, Adam, has the choice. choice. You, know, you know, Adam, as the rule
2: that the shepherd uses to control the sheep. Jim,
1: Adam, as the producer, I have a, a very important role to play as executive producer with the Producers Club. So the answers that you come up with have to be better than the ones I come up with. So that way we're growing a, a well-thinking, oiled machine in the Producers Club that will help us preach the message of statism, slavery, and loving the man. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you, CJ.
0: Uh, so Jim, any, any other comments before we get to our headlines? Today we do not have a guest, but uh, we do have some great headlines to cover.
2: The Good Shepherd Award. Yeah, so like
0: that's. I, see, I, I really like. I mean, I think this is one of the one of the great ways that we can can deflate our uh, our rebel punk enemies is by by taking their insults and and disarming them. And I, I think that's on yeah, the Sheeple's Choice, obviously. Little little wordplay there. I, you know, I like wordplay. There's the, the Sheeple's Choice Award versus the People's Choice Award. I think that's pretty clever. I'm still – I think that's, that's – you know, I, my my little objection, CJ flipped it into a, a, a great positive. So I think that's, that's still our leader right now. Yeah.
2: Fair enough. Okay, well, let's give people a moment to think on that while you cover some news.
0: All right, our first story. Comes from nextgov.com. I just I love that name. You know, like as, as government progresses, we get to the next phase of government. The headline here is senators urge investigation after CBP admits to warrantless cell phone surveillance. And in case there's anybody here who doesn't love all these alphabet soup agencies as much as I do, CBP is Customs and Border Patrol. Customs and Border. Geez, and Customs and Border Protection. Oh my gosh! Did I just? Did I just? I'm so sorry. So I, I, I didn't mean, I that was just misspeaking. I, I didn't mean to, to call you by the wrong name. Customs and Border Protection, part of the Department of Homeland Security, told senators it uses a commercial database to conduct warrantless tracking of people inside the United States. Customs and Border Protection is using commercially available location data from cell phones to conduct warrantless tracking of people inside the United States and refused to provide lawmakers with a legal justification for these activities, according to five senators. In a letter sent Friday to Homeland Security Inspector General Joseph Kafari, five Democratic senators questioned CBP's use of subscriptions with data broker Ventel, a government contractor based in Virginia, which gives them access to commercial location data. Now, I think this is just First off, I, 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 just context, perspective, uh, the, the fact that government can do this, and, and, and the United States isn't the only one. And, and, and you know, it'd be great eventually if uh, if governments all over the world got to this level of, of of capability, because then we could we could really control populations, keep them in their boxes, and, and I think that's you know essential to, to moving humanity forward. That, that our governments have the ability. To prevent, uh, you know, what, what what libertarians might call freedom of movement, it's just an absurd idea on its face, but we'll, we'll we'll deconstruct that on another episode. Just want to point out here that uh, this is great that that uh, Customs and Border Protection are able to recruit private companies into doing the work of government, and especially in something as essential as enforcing uh, placement. I, I mean, this is putting people in their place. When, when government says, we're drawing lines on the map and you can't cross this line because this is your status with the government, you know, what's the point if they can't enforce these, uh, these edicts? And, and, and so this is just, you know, in the past, you know, I, I know this, this might sound crazy, but uh, if you haven't studied history, It's really important to point out or recognize that people used to be able to travel between uh, between countries relatively unimpeded, and that's why there was so much conflict. That's why people, you know, that's why there was so much war. Um, You know, when you have unfettered commerce like that, uh, when when uh, you know, goods and services are crossing these borders without government permission. You you, you just, you have a, a great disconnect uh, between those peoples. You know, if, if you meet someone who's a different color from you before you're ready, you're going to have a, a pretty negative racist response. And that's why I think government control over movement, one of the reasons, is so critical. And we've really come a long way since then in, uh, governments preventing uh, this very dangerous kind of, of movement of people. So uh, back to the story, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, the great Pocahontas. I mean, she really is it, it, just among politicians. Senator Warren is is really one of my heroes. For the, I, I mean, I, I love her for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, one of the ways she plays identity politics is just so brilliant in, in terms of you know getting people talking about her, and, and again, you know, getting them on the same page about uh, racial issues. I think, but but more importantly, what I really love about Senator Warren is as this, this great liberal lion of the Senate that she is such a, a an unabashed champion of government power. Uh, that she brings uh, a, a true righteousness. To this message, that just uh, it is, it is really what it deserves. So, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat Massachusetts; Ron Wyden, Democrat Oregon; Sherrod Brown, Democrat Ohio; and Brian Schatz, Democrat Hawaii, asked the Inspector General to examine the legal analysis that CBP performed. If such analysis exists before the ANC began using the tool, um, and, and the letter reads, CBP outrageously asserted that its legal analysis is privileged and therefore does not have to be shared with Congress. So um, there is a, a, a statement shared with NextGov from CPB where they repeated the assertion that it may obtain access to commercially available information. Adding this data is anonymized. CPB did not clarify whether, anyway, here's the quote from, from the CPB. This is the important All CBP operations in which commercially available telemetry data may be used are undertaken in furtherance of CBP's responsibility to enforce U.S. law at the border and in accordance with relevant legal, policy, and privacy requirements. Uh, So that's, you know, it's really important that we... Acknowledge the good that CBP is doing here in enforcing the law. And when, you know, the, right? You know, as government power grows, there are a lot of people who have a, a childish emotional fear response to government growing. And, and they see governments uh, becoming more and more effective. And you know, life's getting better for our, for, for people all over the world as, as governments get more more powerful, and they want to question this. And you know, I think in order to keep those people in the herd, it's really important that we have conversations just like this between the CBP and the U.S. Senate as the representative of the American people. And and, and I'll make a, I'll make a bold prediction here uh, the, the, about what's going to happen because this. It's kind of, um, I don't want to say, uh, you know, some people would would try to demean this process as being like a staged argument or a fake fight, like, you know, pro wrestling. You know, there's the white hats and the black hats, and there's the heroes and the heels, and, you know, it's all for show. But there's something a lot more important with a conversation like this because for all of the Americans who might hear a story like this, and and become afraid of government. Uh, what's going to happen here? Here's the prediction: is that when this, uh, if this, if this hearing happens, I mean, well, my prediction is that the outcome of this uh, apparent conflict between the U.S. Senate and CVP is going to result in them giving their blessing to the, the Senate is going to give their blessing to the CVP and say. That's great. that we've 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 confirmed that everything you're doing is legal and okay, and no one is going to face charges, and no one is going to get in trouble. And that what that does is it, it gets all of those Americans to sort of uh, go back to sleep. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, to to get back into the herd, to uh, to to feel confidence in government again. And that's what these you know story, I, I It's not. It's not. See, I. It's not a staged conflict. It's just a deliberative process. It's, it's considering the alternative. You know, when, when you support government uh, as much as I do, you, you, you have to take a moment to consider the libertarian position, uh, you know, and, and, and say, okay, well, what, what's the opposite of this? And, and when you look at that and you see how ridiculous it is, you go, okay, ah, all right, now I have even more confidence in government. You know, and, and that's what this story is all about, and so many other processes like this within government are, are really just sort of considering the other side in order to reaffirm your faith in government. Our next story from uh, Reuters, news.trust.org. The headline is, China launches crackdown on mobile web browsers to chaos of information. And, you know, this this really speaks to my heart. There is a, a you know, an important part of, of what we do uh, as journalists, as a team here on Adam Loves the Man, which is to see through this chaos of information, to see through the lies and the confusion and, and help people get on the same page with government. China's top security authority said on Monday it would carry out a rectification of Chinese mobile internet browsers to address what it called social concerns over the chaos of information being published online. China's strict internet censorship rules have tightened numerous times in recent years, and in the latest crackdown, Cyberspace Administration of China, the CAC, has told firms operating you know and I love that you know CAC yeah uh China China's gonna uh, China China's gonna give them the CAC. Uh, this is yeah I say give it to them. Has told firms operating mobile browsers that they have until November nine to conduct a self examination and rectify problems. The problems include the spreading of rumors, the use of sensationalist headlines and the publishing of content that violates the core values of socialism. Uh, you know, I think that's you know it's really important. Again, you know, one of the things that I'd like to see as we progress in in our use of language to greater conformity. Uh, you know, by the way, this is remember this is this is sort from of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and there's there's a little bit of confusion. With the uh, with the language here, because you know, is it socialism or communism? And you know, really, it's essentially the same thing. Uh, Socialism is you know an economic is sort of a broader term to describe the economic system here, right? And that is uh, usually defined in dictionaries as an economic system based on collective ownership of the means of production, and Communism is sort of a more specific political system that that manifests that, and in China you can't say that their communist system isn't socialist. Oh, duh. So it, it, it's it's kind of silly. I don't know, maybe not silly, but it, it, it's kind of counterproductive for us to use these different terms. And you know, one of the inevitable, you I know, mean, even, but you know, I'm not a fan of these terms either, and. I, you know, I'm obviously, as, as a statist, I'm a huge fan of the Chinese government. I'm, I'm, I, I'd like to see the American government really learn more from the Chinese. You know, the, the greatest threat to the American government is the freedom of, of information. Uh, I, I'm sorry, not the freedom of information. That's really the opposite term. The insufficient censorship status that we have with the Internet in the United States really represents a threat, and I, I, I wish the American government, you know, I mean, they're, they're really only about, you know, two, I don't know, halfway there compared to China in, in terms of Internet censorship, and the American government really needs to step up the, their, their game and, and eliminate this threat. But back to the terminology here, socialism and communism, I'm not sure to say they have the exact same definition, Uh, But but, uh, effectively the same. And, you know, Mussolini, uh, one of the great heroes, uh, really under-celebrated heroes in human history, Uh, Italy's Mussolini uh, said that fascism would be best described as corporatism because it represents the merging of the corporations and the state. And you think about what is socialism, what is communism, Uh, when the government of China has such control over its industrial capacity. Uh, And, and, you know, it's unfortunate Now, China's not perfect either. There are still still some some very rich individuals in China. And, uh, you know, it would be great if they were able to sort of uh, stamp out that individual control of, of resources in a way that leads to individual enrichment, but, you know, they'll get there. And I think they'll get there a lot faster than the United States. And, again, you know, this story is just one of these, you know, ways that we can come to appreciate how the population of China is marching in lockstep so much more effectively, or has their people marching in lockstep so much more effectively than the American government. So with the, this idea of fascism, the merging of, of corporations and, and the state, I think there, there isn't really uh, a way that you can describe the resulting reality that you get from socialism or communism without acknowledging that there is a huge, that the merging of corporations and the state are uh is really a critical part of that and and so i i i you know i i know I, I hesitate to use this term um you know i i think for now unfortunately statism uh just being pro-government overall is is a better more inclusive term to, to based on where people are now with the vernacular but i'd like to change this and i want to really normalize this term and, and I want it to be properly understood and seen in a positive light. And the, the term is fascism. Um, I, I really think that we need to, uh, you know, and again, we might not be ready yet, but you know, the more we have stories like this, the more effective that censorship gets, uh, the more normal or the more the more society will be set up to be ready to properly embrace. Not just fascism itself, but the term also. Because I, I think we're... It's, it's like we're kind of in denial about it right now. Uh, overall, you know, the, the story of, of, of modern, bureaucratic, high-tech governments is uh, an accelerated march towards fascism. And the, the people, by and large, of the world are really behind this. But we're kind of afraid to use that term. So I'd like to see that happen uh, a lot more. I think getting... You know, that, that 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 will be the mark of, uh, you know, the victory of statism, the, the final quashing of all rebellious human instinct when we are on the same page using the term fascism openly, positively, and, and celebrating it. And then, and then it'll be easier. I mean, that part of the point of this is that it's going to be a lot easier to identify anything that's not fascism, censor it, squash it, or bring it back into the herd. So, um, the, the spreading of rumors. You know, a lot of uh, what we see in seditious movements is use of rumors. And one of the great things about the internet is that governments can identify and, and squash and shadow ban and censor those rumors faster than ever before. Sensationalist headlines, yeah um, publishing of content that violates the core values of socialism. No, there's just, there's no place for that. Um, so there's a quote here from the CAC. For some time, mobile browsers have grown in an uncivilized way and have become a gathering place, an amplifier for dissemination of chaos by self-media. the CAC said, referring to independently operated social media accounts, many of which publish news. Quote, after the rectification, Mobile browsers that still have outstanding problems will be dealt with strictly according to laws and regulations until related businesses are banned. The campaign will initially focus on eight of the most influential mobile browsers in China, including those operated by Huawei Technologies Company Limited, Alibaba Group Holdings, UC Web, and Xiaomi Corp. Others include the QQ plat- platform owned by Tencent, Quihu, I hope that's qihu Owned 360, Oppo, and Sogu, Huawei's browser unit said in a statement it would conduct a comprehend- comprehensive self examination and clean up in line with the regulators' requests and would also place strict controls over self media accounts. So, this is just you know, sometimes uh, governments have to use a little more pressure uh, to get corporations in line, uh, especially with the smaller ones, but the big ones. Uh, big companies, I, I think it, it really is worth celebrating and pointing out how compliant and cooperative they can be with government. And so that they're doing this, they're, they, you know, when they hear this, they're, they're not waiting. They're not waiting for the government of China itself to step in. They're just going ahead. And so, I mean, like, these, you see what I mean by fascism. These companies might as well be a part of government. I think, I think China is working towards that, and, 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 and I hope they get there soon. So that the next time they face a, a threat like this as a sort of side effect of technology, they're, they're able to just, you know, they don't even have to say, well, it's the government making request to these companies. No, it's just Boom, boom, boom. It's a government edict that goes down department to department. And that's going to be obviously so much faster and more efficient when everything is integrated into a singular government system. So uh, Xiaomi and UC Web declined to comment, blah, 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 blah. Uh, legislation introduced in recent years by China include measures to restrict media outlets, surveillance measures for media sites and rolling campaigns to remove content deemed uh, unacceptable. And and I look at a story like this, and I'm very encouraged, uh, you know, I'm very hopeful, uh, and and I'm going to mention a lot about the media here as well in a second, but I I have to point out, I would be remiss uh, if, if I didn't point out how much work uh, even the people of China have to do here, because this, it, just hold on, let, let, let me read the sentence again. Legislation introduced in recent years by China include measures to restrict media outlets, surveillance measures for media sites, rolling campaigns to remove con- and rolling campaigns to remove, to remove content deemed unacceptable. Did you catch the first part? Legislation legislation that means that, that it's government telling non-government entities what to do and you know as great as this is by today's standards and I mean you, again you look at how pathetic the United States is in this regard being behind China it's it's still I, I look at this and, and, and as a sort of forward-looking you know high-tech status uh, I think about this and I go this is this is archaic. This is archaic. Why on earth would the Chinese government have to introduce legislation to do these things? They should, you know, their leaders there should just be able to, to, to make these orders. So, you know, when the, those media outlets and media sites are, are are fully incorporated in the government of China, you know, they won't even have to pass legislation. That's the next level that's where this is going. And I guess it is actually kind of exciting to see how much China has progressed in this way. I think governments around the rest of the world can really learn from what China is doing and their great firewall. But I, the last thing about the story that I have to point out, uh, reporting on it and again, this is from uh, Thompson Reuters Foundation News, uh, reporting by Brenda Goh and Josh Horowitz, additional reporting by... Kay Lee in Hong Kong, writing by Tom Daly, editing by Susan Fenton, and Edwina Gibbs. And to all those I just named, you know, I, I wish I could give you an award today, too, because you, you what you're doing here is presenting this information um, with, 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 you know, with a lot of, uh, here's, here's the thing. A lot of journalists have this silly idea that they have to present both sides of, of an argument. Um, and and some people would say, well, there's not just both sides. There can be multiple sides of an argument, and you have to cover all of them. And, of course, that's ridiculous. We know, in a story like this especially, there's a right side and a wrong side. And the right side is government, and the wrong side is anybody who's challenging this, any, anybody who would speak. And there are, there are organizations out there, uh, there. There are people in China who the, the government still hasn't figured out how to stop, who are, are using VPNs, virtual private networks, to get around this censorship. There, there are people in uh, in the United States uh, who, who are fighting for Internet freedom. And, you know, uh, if, if these journalists were, were those kind of fake journalists who would present both sides of a story uh, you know that there might be some some context included in this article. There might be something uh, about how there are uh, you know dangerous uh, you know people out there, and, and the fact that they just didn't include anything like that at all. They just put out this this this, this government narrative, this pro-government narrative. I think uh, the, the, the that that. Uh, I, you know, I think these are already award-winning journalists. If anything, and, and Reuters, obviously Reuters, very well-established uh, mainstream media outlet. Uh, I, I really think in, in, in a time like this, they deserve uh, an award for uh, when, when it when it is when, when we have the Chinese government really out front with fascism and censorship. Uh, they're really pulling humanity into the future. And they're, they're, there are forces that want to resist that. And, I, again, I just wanted to thank these great journalists uh, at, at, at Reuters for helping the Chinese government in, in doing what they're doing without uh, with, without giving voice to those questioners who, who might challenge this. Um, so, all right, our next story. Let's hear we go to Nigeria for our next two stories. First from Bloomberg. This is why the young protesters in Nigeria are so angry. Nigeria has been rocked by some of the biggest protests since military rule ended in 1999, resulting in dozens of deaths and rattling what had been considered a virtually unassailable political establishment. Thousands of youths have taken to the street to vent their anger about police brutality by marching barricading roads and bridges, and setting buildings and vehicles alight, The authorities initially struck a conciliatory tone and agreed to policing reforms, but their response has become increasingly heavy-handed. President Mohamedou Bihari has warned that he won't allow national security to be compromised, raising the stakes for the crisis in Africa's most populous nation. And the immediate takeaway that I get from this is a status is, just to be so grateful that that uh, I, I live in the United States where the only protests that we have, the demonstrations like BLM, are, uh, you know, are, are controlled. They're promoted by the powers that be in the mainstream media. That, uh, by the way, you know, we have a healthy protest culture in America. But for the most part, it's in line with the authorities. And that's, that's just something really important to celebrate. Most Protests here uh, are peaceful and symbolic and, and don't really accomplish anything because they're the ones that the uh, government wanted to happen. Uh, I'm sorry, they don't really accomplish any uh, meaningful uh, weakening of the government. In, in general, the protests here strengthen government. A lot of protesting. I mean, people in the United States, this is the, like, see, in, in Nigeria, where government is weaker, there's chaos and people are protesting to challenge government power. Whereas here in the United States, most of the protests that you see, or at least a lot of them, and, and political gatherings, uh, you know, especially from the left today, and I, I got to hand it, you know, one I hand it to the left. This is one thing uh, I really love about the American left is that when they protest, they're they're not really challenging government power so much as challenging the Americans who want to challenge government power and saying, you're wrong, we need to give government more power, we need more government programs, we need more government health care, we need more, they call it socialism, but really it's fascism. These are sort of, what we have in America for most protests, like I said, especially from the left, are really covert pro-fascism rallies pretending to be protests, uh, whereas in what's happening in Nigeria, they have a real protest where they're challenging government power, and the result is chaos. It's it's not pretty. What you have there is is, is just, it's so destructive, and, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of the ways that we see how this is happening, again, I, I hope that uh, governments throughout the world take warnings from this and, and do what is appropriate to clamp down on one of the most dangerous things we have going on in the world today with uh, with cryptocurrency. And that is the, our next word is from QZ.com. That's sports Africa. The headline is, How Bitcoin Powered the Largest Nigerian Protests in a Generation. Uh, so this is from Yami Kazim. After initially existing mainly as recurring... As a recurring hashtag on social media, hashtag NSARS. Yeah, clever, right? Uh, No, no, this is bad, bad, bad protesters, bad, mm, very inhumane sense of humor. A campaign against police brutality in Nigeria evolved into mass protests, which threw thousands of Nigerians across in several locations across the country this month. Uh, with the protests growing organically and quickly across cities all over the country, the need for funding to cover food and water for protesters, as well as medical supplies and hospital bills when necessary soon became clear. And again, when I I hear about this, you know, there is a certain tragedy, again, that the government of Nigeria wasn't strong enough, that uh, they wanted, you know, more government funding for food and water and medical supplies and hospital bills. I mean, if they just had a stronger government in the first place, and this is one of the reasons that I'm such a big supporter of, you know, the IMF and the World Bank and the United Nations, is that when when a when a government fails like this, uh, there can be some, you know, global level intervention to to help them out and, and be uh, more effective at governing. And calls for funding through donation drives were answered quickly as Nigerians at home and abroad began sending cash through local banks and online payment methods in a bid to fund what had become the largest protests in about a decade. But a hiccup soon emerged. Feminist Coalition, a gender equality group that had been founded just weeks earlier and had become one of the key organizations accepting donations for protests, began to notice bank transactions were being slowed down while its online payment links to facilitate donations has stopped working. While the Nigerian government has maintained a lack of involvement, the widespread suspicions that the disruption of donation accounts and methods was the results results of pressure from high up. And I just I, I got to point out that this is another wonderful feature of our modern technology and global monetary system is that when we see terrorists sending I, I mean that's what these people are that uh, you know, they want people to be afraid of their government. And, and, and that's, that's a form of terrorism. Uh, remember, terrorism, uh, broadly defined, or just as properly defined, is the use of fear through violence or the threat of violence to achieve political goals. And, you know, and, and now, again, liberal protesters in the uh, liberal, uh, you know, fascist ralliers or, or liberal protesters in the United States uh, don't don't really fall under that category of, of terrorism um, because they, they, they're, they're basically telling anybody who doesn't like government power, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of bigger government. So it's really like the opposite. Uh, I mean, American, modern American liberalism really is the opposite of terrorism because they're telling people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Give government more power. Government can take care of your health care. Government can take care of your income. Government can take care of your housing. And in terms of making, you know, putting false fears to bed, a uh, few things are more important in, in moving humanity forward. While the movement had proven to be a death knell for the donation drive a decade ago, it only proved a temporary setback. Feminist coalition began accepting donations through Bitcoin instead and received from Bitcoin Advocate. Jack Dorsey, co-founder of Twitter, and you know, again, Jack Dorsey, um, I, I don't, I don't really believe him when, when he says he's a fan of Twitter, and I, I don't mean to discredit Mr. Mr. Dorsey at all. I apologize, sir, if, if if that was the impression you were getting from what I just said, I may have may have misspoken. Um, but I, I think Jack Dorsey, uh, you know, was such a well, he really is the man in in, in, in a way when you're when you're a leader of you know, what is essentially an agency of government like Twitter uh, that is empowered. You know, I, again, I, I'm, th- one of the benefits of American fascism is the consolidation of corporate power. And this is what you see in conglomerization where, you know, Facebook can buy WhatsApp and, and Instagram and, uh, you know, a company like Twitter can squash its competition and come to dominate its segment of social media. And, you know, that that makes Jack Dorsey the man. So uh, the move was in keeping with an overarching theme of the protest, which had seen young, Internet-savvy Nigerians leverage digital tools to drive and sustain their campaign against establishment institutions, from building online teams to respond to legal issues like arbitrary arrest and unlawful detention of protesters, to using social media channels to debunk misinformation spread by government actors and traditional media. So, you know, I I, I, I apologize that I didn't uh, put this story in context from the beginning. This is from one of these fake journalists who thinks that their job is to challenge government by... And, and, and this is such a... Da- I mean, to say that governments spread misinformation is so... Uh, dishonest, untruthful, and inappropriate. That uh, you know, I, just, I, I, I have to point that out in, in you know presenting this article. As of October 22nd, when Feminist Coalition stopped taking donations in light of government curfew, uh, light of a government curfew which had effectively uh, had effectively ended physical protests in Lagos, its summary of accounts showed that Bitcoin balance that accounted for around 40% of the 308,000. Dollars raised in total. That total is remarkable for a country where digital transactions still come a distant second place to cash in the day to day economy, which is still dominated by the informal sector. Not sure what that means. So, um, just you, know, you might be thinking of, uh, being of Nigerian print scams and, and, and things like this. There's a little bit on this here. The association with scams in Nigeria for, for Bitcoin in general. Stems from when Mavrodi Mundial Money Box, an infamous Russian Ponzi scheme which saw Nigerian lose around 50 million dollars when it first crashed, attempted a comeback by using Bitcoin as a payment method. Uh, and it's a link that remains despite the growing local use of Bitcoin to facilitate cross-border trade and as a medium for remittances, not just in Nigeria but across the continent. Now, the author of this article here is really using inappropriate language because when he says. Uh, Bitcoin facilitates cross-border trade. What he should say is that it's a way for smuggling criminals to avoid government control. That's necessary for the greater good. And uh, you know, a medium from remittances. Is, this is basically a, what, what he should have said is that uh, the uh, the link remains despite the growing local use of Bitcoin to facilitate terrorists moving money. And what this points out, well I know, I'll just I'll finish the story. In fact, fraudulent cryptocurrency platforms received just over $8 million from users in Africa in a alone according to research by Chainalysis, a blockchain market intelligence firm. And what that tells me is that this 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 Bitcoin represents a new and unique threat to government and, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I, I can't predict this because there's a, there's a lot of momentum behind Bitcoin. I mean, the market cap now is, is certainly in, in, in the thousands of dollars there, you know, and, and they they've created a currency out there that is at least, uh, you know, you're able to buy and sell, you know, little things here and there on the Internet. It's, not an, it's, not, it's, it's nowhere near an effective currency medium, and, and, and I hope it never will be. Uh, but the idea here that these cryptocurrencies are a threat is one that governments need to take seriously. And uh, you know, I, I wish I wish I could have more faith in government right now to say that they 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 might be able to stop cryptocurrency entirely. Um, Sadly, I think I don't think that's possible. I think that you know, looking at it from the perspective of government here, they get more ability to control others from the internet than uh, than they lose with crypto. So I mean, like, why? Let, 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 let's keep the internet going so that that, that people can be more conform, uh, conformity aware. And and government can use the Internet as a tool for censorship and dissemination of of, of critical information to keep us marching lockstep together as a nation, marching forward. But one of the side effects of the Internet might just be that we have to tolerate the existence of a dark web of of these cryptocurrencies and that that we might have uh, a, a new threat to, to government power. So I, I, I would, you know, hesitate to make a prediction here, but I, I would think that when cryptocurrency is, is fully acknowledged as the threat that it represents to government, it could go one of two ways. You know, if, if government is successful, we'll never have to worry about cryptocurrency again. If government is, is partially successful, uh, then cryptocurrency will be kind of taken over by government, um, and it'll be a way for people to be tracked. And, and then we, we can have confidence that uh, our leaders will be able to use this new digital money to at least stop terrorists like those in Nigeria from being able to move money without, uh, you know, government seeing it. But if government fails miserably in controlling Bitcoin and crypto, Uh, You might see protests like this successful in the rest of the world. You might see the people of China even overthrow their government. You might see the the United States have another revolution. And and that's why it's absolutely critical for governments to stamp out this threat as soon as possible. All right, our next story uh, comes from Iran. From the Associated Press, wary of angering public, Iran has few ways to contain virus. Uh, United Arab Emirates, Dubai, as coronavirus infections reached new heights in Iran this month, overwhelming its hospitals and driving up its death toll, the country's health minister gave a rare speech criticizing his own government's refusal to enforce basic health measures. Quote, we ask for fines to be collected from anyone who doesn't wear a mask. Saeed Namaki said last week, the front of government's new mandate for Tehran, the capital, but go and find out how many people were fine. We said close roads, and yet how many did they close? Namaki's speech lamenting the country's great suffering and hospitals full of patients clearly laid the blame for the virus's resurgence at the government's door, a stark contrast to the usual speeches from officials who point the finger at the public's defiance of restrictions. Now. There's there's a bit of you know I, I think there's a place here where the the author of this story doesn't quite go far enough to say that the speech laid the blame at the government store. No 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 no, absolutely not. I mean, you, you, do you blame uh, a patient for getting sick? Do, do you blame the victim here? No. No, and in this case, the government uh, of Iran is a victim of the misinformation of those who would question the World Health Organization and everybody in Iran who would challenge and defy government authority. And w- what he is saying, or who he's really attacking with the speech here, is is those people. Um, and and I, I, that really has to be put into appropriate context because the I mean the, the obvious. You look at the story. The obvious problem: why is the virus so bad in Iran? Obviously, it's because the government wasn't strong enough. So um, let me let me clean up my tabs here because I have a couple in-depth ones that you know we might not get to today, like uh, you know the World Health Organization telling people not to give up. Um, But let's get it. We got some quick headlines too. So skipping skipping one ahead here, DJ. If you don't mind, go to newsweek.com. California Governor Newsom's Thanksgiving rules explain as severe restrictions put in place. And again, if you're an American and you're grateful that you don't live in Iran, you know, these few stories here should really make make you really grateful that we live in a country where government at least has some significant power to enforce critical health mandates. We've got a couple stories like that. The first one is this about Thanksgiving in California. Ahead of Thanksgiving next month, California Governor Gavin Newsom and the California Department of Public Health released new safety guidelines for all private gatherings amid the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The new rules come with strict restrictions that aim to help reduce the risk of spreading infection. Uh, As they said in a statement, quote, gatherings are defined as social situations that bring together people from different households at the same time, In a single space or place when people from different households mix, this increases the risk of transmission of COVID-19. All gatherings must include no more than three households, including hosts and guests, and must be held outdoors, lasting for two hours or less. Now, we're talking about California. Uh, You know, Thanksgiving in in California, late November, usually not that cold. So, you know, having, asking people to have their Thanksgiving uh, dinners outside in order to reduce transmission of this dangerous virus is entirely appropriate. Uh, You know, and again, pointing out uh, a a way that government in the United States isn't strong enough is that in a lot of our states that do have more intense winters, governments aren't going to be able to pull this off. And that's really sad. Uh, You know, if you look at, you, you know, you look at the history of Russia. And uh, everything that happened in Siberia, so many uh, incredible patriots of Russia, uh, you know, dealt with incredible uh, cold exposure in order to support government authority. And here in the United States, you know, I I, I hate to say this, but um, most Americans aren't going to be willing to even host their Thanksgiving dinners outside. And that's just Oh, I, I hate to say, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare attack uh, the herd as pathetic there but I, I would I would humbly point this out as a room you know uh, an area with room for improvement in terms of American obedience so uh, as a quote from the statement said gatherings that occur outdoors are significantly safer than indoor gatherings all gatherings must be held outside attendees may go inside to use restrooms as long as the restrooms are frequently sanitized, and even there, I think that's giving people a little too much discretion. I, I, I you know, I, I'm not a health expert. I would defer to the authorities here, but I'll bet if they could get away with this, if they, I'm, excuse me, if they could, if they could uh, do the right thing here, they would be asking people to uh, to go to the bathroom outside exclusively. So, uh, the new rules state that those at a gathering may remove their face coverings briefly to eat or drink as long as they stay at least six feet away from everyone outside their own household and put their face covering back on as soon as they are done with the activity, the latest guidelines add quote, face coverings can also be removed to meet uh, urgent medical needs. For example, using an asthma inhaler, take medication or a feeling lightheaded. And I got to say, I'm really glad that, that, that they put that in there because California, you know, my home state, it is such a great state that we have we have a lot of really obedient people, and I would hate for someone to die because the government forgot to tell them that you can take off your mask to use your inhaler. Uh, but you know, it's, it is a risk when when government isn't strong enough. And again, when we have a pandemic like this, it's really important that we not only support government with our compliance, our obedience, um, you know, and in in uh, their enforcement, but also. Uh, in in making government stronger, so that they they can they can get these edicts out clearly and comprehensively, so as to leave no doubt in any individual Californian's mind what they are allowed or not allowed to do. So you know, CJ, excuse me here. I, I gotta skip ahead because I you know we had another story that uh, you know was was really important related to this um, about, about fines with masks, um, let me see if I can, if I can jump to that, um, let's see here, yes, here we go, I love this, this is the next story, this is great, this, and this is so important to include in this block from, uh, The Sun, so CJ skipping that, I think about a dozen stories here, Jingle Hells, Good wordplay there, right? Yeah, I love that. Jingle hells, jingle hells, jingle all the way. Cops will enter homes and break up Christmas family gatherings if they break lockdown rules, warns police chief. And, again, America, uh, they don't have to do this in China because in China they're way more compliant and obedient. And uh, that our government here has to threaten Uh, excuse me, well, I I apologize, Uh, another Western government, we're talking about Britain here, uh, that that they have to even threaten this is just a a shame uh, to to see how there is still a dangerous rebellious streak, even in England. Cops will go into Brits' homes and break up Christmas family gatherings if they break lockdown rules a police chief has warned. Now, there's one part of this story that, uh, that, that isn't mentioned uh, or one aspect of the story that isn't covered in the story that I really have to underscore. Again, clear implication from this, this sub-headline, cops will go into Brits' homes and break up Christmas family gatherings if they break lockdown rules. Now, we know that our noble law enforcement officers all over the world are truly heroes. But in this time of crisis, they are really stepping it up because what this headline and the story doesn't adequately point out is that these heroes are willing to work on Christmas in order to serve the greater good. David Jamieson, the West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner, said officers will investigate reports of rule breaking over the festive season. The West Midlands are currently under Tier Two restrictions, meaning people can't visit friends or family from other households indoors. This comes as Boris Johnson has been urged to hold an emergency summit on Christmas, amid claims the rule of six could prevent families gathering. Leeds and Bristol could go into tougher lockdowns as infections surge. Uh, by the way, you know this, 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 there's this rule of six in in the UK. And I, I have a message for anybody who's, who's uh, listening or watching from there going, well, we have seven family members we want to have at our Christmas dinner. And, and and now you are led into this incredible opportunity of deciding who's the worst member of your family, uh, who's, who's, who's the greatest threat. And I think right now the situation calls for uh, excluding anyone who is not uh, enthusiastically compliant with COVID restrictions. So uh, again, to the, to the people of the UK, congratulations! You, you have a really cool Christmas season to look forward to, where you can tell your family members, "No, you're not. You're not welcome at Christmas. Uh, maybe you're not even welcome in our family anymore because you're not obedient enough." And I know that, that that might seem a little harsh, but you know, sometimes th- that that sort of uh, tough love is is really essential. And you know, you might want to you know say something like, you know, sorry, Uncle Philip. We'll see you next year. But one of the best things about this is that if you exclude people who aren't following the coronavirus guidelines, then uh, if you're lucky, they'll be dead by next year. Now, I just have to point out, you know, in regards to this, that there's this dangerous rumor. Going around, I think promoted by Ben Swan, saying that of the people who get corona, 70% of them, uh, or of people who, who uh, got corona, yes, 70% of them wore masks all the time, and, and, and only 3% of them never wore masks. And I, I just, you know, I, I think those are alternative facts. I think that's that's bad science. Um, but if, if you were to believe that, you would think that people who, who don't follow these guidelines are the safest, but uh, as government authorities all over the world, I mean, the consensus is absolutely clear now that wearing a mask and following these guidelines is critical for your own safety. So, uh, Mr. Okay, so back to the bullet points here. Uh, The UK's unofficial death toll has now passed 60,000. The official one is probably much, much higher. Uh, A COVID test under development in the UK can provide results within a minute. Dr. Hillary Jones backed calls for a Tier 3 lockdown for the country on Good Morning Britain and said, uh, Dr. Jamieson told the Telegraph, quote, if we think there's large groups of people gathering where they shouldn't be, then police will have to intervene. If, again, there's flagrant breaking of the rules, then the police would have to enforce it's not the police's job to stop people enjoying their Christmases. However, we are there to enforce the rules that the government makes and if the government makes those rules, then the government has to explain that to the public. So again, just we, let's take a moment to appreciate and be grateful for how much power government has. Now, I do have a story from the United States, and this is the important one here. again, Compared to, uh, you know, some countries around the world, we have, you know, we, we do have some pretty strong governments here to be proud of. And the next headline I want to get to, it is the one after that one, CJ, is from MSN.com. Maskless risk $50 fine at New York City area airports, subways, and bus depots. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey said it will start issuing $50 fines to people not wearing face coverings at its airports, Manhattan bus terminals and subways since March. The agency has used posters, public service announcements, and other means to make travelers aware of health and safety protocols amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Starting Monday, travelers could be liable for the new recommended fine of $50. Uh, And and I got to say, this is amazing what New York has been able to accomplish. They have actually, in in a single weekend, uh, collected over $150,000 in fines. Now that's great, you know, but again, gotta point out a huge area with room for improvement for the American people here, and that if we were more obedient, this kind of stuff wouldn't be necessary. All right, I apologize. I'm a little uh, a little all over the place now with uh, with with the headlines that I've got before us today, and I know we're not going to be. Oh, one other. Uh, we're not gonna be able to get to all of them. But a, a quick one worth pointing out here from latimes.com: Concerned about election unrest, Beverly Hills will close Rodeo Drive. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say Rodeo. This is America. We're going to use the American pronunciation. Beverly Hills luxury retail mecca Rodeo Drive will be closed to cars and pedestrian traffic on election day and the day after. A move the city's police chief calls a proactive approach to possible protests. And this, I want to remind. Uh, at least my audience, but all Americans, of this important part of uh, American history, and that uh, because the Constitution at the time of this country's founding was the Articles of Confederation, and uh, a, a bunch of people who know better than, than than the general public decided that that wasn't a, a strong enough central government, and they had uh, essentially a takeover. Uh, Some would call it a coup, and I think that's fair, giving us the the current Constitution. Uh, Yeah, George Washington wasn't actually the first president of the United States, uh, but he was the first president under the current Constitution, which is legal, and that's what's important. I mean, it's technically unlawful because of the way that it it, uh, supplanted the Articles of Confederation, but that doesn't matter because right now it's the legal Constitution and the majority of the American people are on the same page with that. And one of the, uh, you know, the, the things that they had to do to get people to accept the Constitution was put in this thing about freedom of speech, the Bill of Rights. And of course, you know, you know it was just, just an excuse. You know, like, no, we're, we, want, we want the power to tax. We want the power to create a central bank. We want to call African Americans three-fifths of people. We want to continue the institution of slavery. Uh, but, but mainly, we want a, a bigger, stronger central government for America. And in order to do that, they had to say, "Well, of course, we're going to put these restrictions on power to, you know, make sure that it, it, it never gets out of control." Because remember, historically speaking, uh, you know, Americans were were wary uh, of government power. I mean, not anymore. We're such we're, we're, we're really good at sheep. On that's the demeaning. Term. Are we reclaiming that? We are good people. Yeah, okay. Well, we're reclaiming this. You know, we're going to have the uh, People's Choice Award every week here uh, on Adam Loves the Man as as we gave it this week to our our first recipient, the great, the great Joe Rogan, um, uh, for for his work in in censorship and uh, discrediting subversive messages. But like we have this this concept of, of freedom of speech in the United States that fortunately it, it's going away. Like, especially with Internet censorship it's it, it, and the ability that social media companies have to control the American political conversation online, uh, that freedom of speech is going away. And when I see a story like this, I want to celebrate that, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking there might be some, some terrorists who want to have a protest on election night on Rodeo Drive. And fortunately, we have come so far since then that uh, Beverly Hills, well, back to the story Beverly Hills Police Chief Dominic Rivetti said his department would go on full alert and that businesses might choose to close down or limit operations. The move came as City Hall encouraged some businesses to board up their high end stores. City shopping areas have become places of protest since the death this summer of George Floyd, a black man at the hands of Minneapolis police. Now, see, I, I don't have a problem with fascist rallies. Disguised as protests, like uh, a lot of these BLM actions are, um, because I, I, you know, remember that the, the core organizers, not, not, I mean, there are a lot of people like the, the BLM. I got, I have to praise uh, the, the the leaders of the BLM movement, and I don't mean the movement really so much as the organization where they are openly Marxist, and they, they say that they're Marxist, and I think that's amazing. And what they've done is they 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 they've helped get. Uh, a lot more people on the same page about Marxism like never before uh, was again Marxism really a type of fascism you know more or less synonymous so when uh, you know it's BLM protests and they're out there calling for more government that, that, I mean obviously <laughs> that's a fascism rally disguised as a protest but given that you know things are really uh, really contested people are are, are really uh, you know, kind of on edge right now. Uh, you know, I think it's it's very appropriate, and, and this is a great example. I hope this continues. I hope this. You know, I hope that we see uh, governments around the world, and and well, really, first cities around the United States taking a lesson from uh, the, those police on Rodeo Drive, who are saying, you know what, when when we feel like it, you know, when it's in the best interest, or when we, see, not when we feel like it. That's not what this is about. When when we see because we know better than the public about—I mean, we're the we're the police, we're the public safety experts. We know better than the general public about what's right for public safety. So when we see that it's necessary to say, "Yeah, freedom of speech doesn't apply here," I'm, I'm, that's the you know that's great, and I hope that, that that other agencies around the country can take a lesson from them, so that eventually free speech just. Uh, you know, as we know it today, it doesn't exist in America. All right. Uh, so, Cedar, I apologize. We're going to just sort of bounce around here with some of the remaining headlines, <laughs> um, and and see what we can get in the last few minutes before we get to uh, before we get to uh, our comments again and comment, Jim, and check in with the audience here. But first, uh, yeah, this, this the first. One, I, w- I want to cover this from LMT Online. LMT says. Hundreds of Trump supporters stuck in the cold for hours when buses can't reach Omaha rally. Uh, By the time President Trump finished speaking to thousands of supporters at Omaha's Ethley Airfield on Tuesday night and jetted away on Air Force One, the temperature had plunged to nearly freezing. But as long lines of MAGA-clad attendees queued up for buses to take them to distant parking lots, it quickly became clear that something was wrong. The, The buses, the huge crowd soon learned couldn't navigate the jammed airport roads for hours, attendees, including many elderly Trump supporters, stood in the withering cold as police scrambled to help the most at risk, to get to warm. At least seven people were taken to hospitals according to Omaha scanner, a service that monitors official radio traffic. Now a lot of subversives and, 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 and people on uh, you know the, the other facts, the other colored faction of government, people on the blue, fascism team as opposed to the red fascism team will say that this is a failure of Donald Trump, that, that Donald Trump doesn't care about his supporters. But I think uh, they're missing the bigger point out here is that Americans, we so love our dear leader that we are willing to risk death by hypothermia in order to hear him speak. When you see that truth, hmm. It's just reality is so much more beautiful, isn't it? Um, hmm. The Associated Press has this. The latest Dodgers-Turner tests positive for coronavirus, the latest on Game 6 of the World Series between the L.A. Dodgers and Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Justin Turner was removed from the Dodgers World Series, clinching victory after testing positive for the coronavirus. A redheaded third baseman was replaced on defense in the eighth inning and was not on the field as LA celebrated its first championship since 1988. Dodgers players and coaches wore face masks during the celebration. There was no dog pile on the infield, that's typical of such celebrations. Although there were still hugs and high fives, and even that, I'm like, eh, I, don't, I don't know about that. But I, I have I have really started to appreciate professional sports again. Like never before, because you know I I'm I'm really I, I hate to admit it, but I'm I'm really very weak in in my personal identity. You know, I went to government schools and and and, and they they taught me how to be part of a team. You know, and I played sports as a kid, but uh, you know I have some like you know deeper psychological damage. Uh, that that prevents me, right, and, and I, it's not really damage, it's just a sort of a, I, I, that's not fair, really. It's just sort of a typical <clears throat> weakness in the human psyche that makes collectivism so valuable and important. I mean, it, to, it, if you see this as a, as, as a weakness or a deficiency or the product of trauma, you might be inclined to address it instead of accept it. I think it's really important that we accept that humans have this need to be a part of a herd and to, to, to feel like they are really uh, a part of a collective. And professional sports uh, have, have given me that. And, and being a fan, being able to identify with the team, you know, uh, you know, having an emotional – I mean, I can celebrate and cheer for, for, for people who I've never met, you know, just because they live in the same city or state as me. And and that sort of geographical association is is really more important than than you know the fact that we are part of the same tribe the fact that we we are um, members of the same you know government uh, organization or or citizens uh, of the same state or city you know these things are more important uh, you know than, than any any abstract abstract concept of shared human values so I, I want to say when I see a story like this. I'm, I'm grateful not only that professional sports are doing so well in the era of, uh, of the coronavirus, but also that, uh, you know, this is, this is a, that they are promoting uh, actively obedience. I think, again, that's one of the most important things we get from professional sports uh, as Americans, that we get great examples of, of people being team players. And by team players, I mean being obedient to the authorities. And when, when, I, when you, know, the, you know, the dog pile tradition, uh, World Series victories, uh, you know, that's kind of a fun one, you know, like dumping Gatorade on someone's head. But when government says, hey, that's not good for people's health, it, it's absolutely critical that the, the people who we look up to uh, as professional athletes are setting an example of obedience for the rest of us to follow. And, again, that's why we need to support your local professional sports teams and when, when you see governments going to subsidize them with uh, with bonds for uh, for stadiums and other subsidies, politically it's very important that we make sure government is doing everything it can to support professional sports because they have such a positive impact on uh, collectivism and in promoting obedience. So uh, let's see, where do we go next with 20 minutes uh, to go? Um, what stories are worth covering? So we just let's see. We have a little less than 20 minutes. Okay, from Newsmax.com, Trump denounces white supremacy 38 times in new video. Now this is five minutes, we're, we're, you know, and, and that I think makes the point by itself. We're not going to take, uh, you know, I, this is not the Dear Leader channel. Uh, this is, you know, I really see Adam loves the man as a. A supplement to the content that is that is put out by uh, people like Donald Trump and and Joe Biden, and I would say don't watch this show ever uh, until you've listened to everything that that the president has put out for the day. So if you're watching the show, I'm I'm assuming you've already seen this, you've already watched this video. uh, But for the story, for those of you who haven't, make sure that as soon as the show's over, that you go watch this and check in at WhiteHouse.gov and see whatever whatever other content they've put out for today. President Donald Trump's campaign has released an almost five-minute-long video that compiles 38 times the president has denounced white supremacy in a pushback against the continued claims being made by Democrat nominee Joe Biden and his running mate, Senator Kamala Harris. Now, it's kind of shameful to see uh, again, these fake journalists stoking discord uh, among our political leadership. And, you know, we have the video proof here uh, that Donald Trump is not a racist. And I, I want to make sure that, that, that people acknowledge the significance of this. I just have to underscore this, that that we, you know, again, we have to make sure that we support mainstream media outlets that don't pull crap like this, that don't just stoke fighting between candidates, but really, you know, help us understand that that they're they're all on the same page, that, uh, you know, when when we're choosing between Democrats and Republicans, there there, there really is an important conversation going on between our respective leaders, and they should all be respected. They should never be questioned. Uh, And and we should support them as a matter of aesthetics, choosing what is our country, what is our government going to look like when we are choosing between red-flavored fascism or blue-flavored fascism. And in that in that great conversation that we have here in America, you know, every two years, every four years with the presidency, <clears throat> that, you know, it, 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 it's really critical that we keep the conversation focused on the issues that the candidates want us to talk about. So, moving on, let's see, uh, I don't think we have any other quick headlines, I guess, the Wall Street Journal, we we'll share a little quick positive technology story. The Wall Street Journal, tiny brain implants hold big promise for immobilized patients. Neuroscientists see unmet demand for technologies that detect and translate neural signals to help people with mobility problems. So um, uh, we don't have the whole story here. I apologize. I haven't, I, I want to say uh, the Wall Street Journal put some of their news stories behind a paywall, which means you have to pay to see them. And, again, you know, if we want to be, you know, active and engaged supporters of the mainstream media, we really have to, to support them. Um, and, and so I, I just want to put this point as a reminder. where Because, I, I, you know, I'm acknowledging my own failure here. Uh, I haven't given the Wall Street Journal enough money. Because they do a great job promoting uh, a fascist narrative, and I just I haven't given them enough money to to see this story, and I, I just I I I can't apologize enough. I mean, it's, I really did not expect to have this kind of embarrassing moment on the show today, but I can be strong, and you know what? I want I, I just I will take this as an opportunity to remind everyone in our audience that uh, you might want to examine your own contribution uh, to the media and, you know, make sure that you're supporting those media outlets that, that give you a, a, you know, a proper truthful pro-government narrative and don't put out dangerous ideas. And so I'm, I'm truly embarrassed that I haven't done more to support the Wall Street Journal and and get behind their their paywall. So anyway, our next story is from Bloomberg via MSN.com. One in four European airports face insolvency if travel fails to recover. And again, when when we look around the world at how different governments act relative to, to our government in the United States, uh, we really see all of the opportunities of statism. and We come to appreciate just how much we have here in the United States because you, you read this story and you're, just even this headline, you go, what, airports close? Doesn't government own pretty much all the airports? Many European airports will struggle to stave off insolvency without state help unless travel recovers from its pandemic slump by the end of the year, according to the continent's main industry group. Um, and, and this is where we, you know, the, the too-big-to-fail argument is really relevant. And this is why we need government control over the entire economy. And, this, you know, what, what's going to happen here? Um, I, I'd like to, you know, being an optimistic statist, uh, I would predict that there is going to be state help for for these airports in Europe to keep them open. Uh, but... Uh, whether or not that successfully results in a government takeover of airport infrastructure like we enjoy here in the United States, I mean, you think about it, you, you have to be a little scared, uh, you know, every time you travel to Europe because they have some private airports and they don't have this incredible thick blue line known as the TSA that stands between us and the terrorists. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that this, this is a successful bailout that is not just a bailout, but leads, leads to a, uh, a proper and complete government takeover of these airports in Europe so that we can, uh, you know, feel safer uh, about terrorism and we can get more government security in these facilities. Now, I told you earlier, we had, we had a story about consolidation in the media. Been, been a bit of a theme today. I hope you've noticed and appreciated that. Uh, but specifically, the story I was thinking about, about is this next one from mediaite.com. Fox Businesses, Charlie Gasparino, hot and heavy speculation on Wall Street that Jeff Bezos is buying CNN. And one of the greatest things we've seen uh, happen in the course of the coronaphobia, excuse me, coronaphobia. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic, is that uh, the rich have gotten a lot richer. Uh, and, and it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing today to see that, that money uh, is so directly related to political and media power. But Jeff Bezos really is one of our wisest overlords. And what he has done, not just with Amazon, but, you know, he owns the Washington Post as well, uh, now taking on CNN. So I, I, what I want to point out is, is this, this consolidation that's happening right now that, that really is so beautifully uh, laid out in front of us. We see that Jeff Bezos in, in his uh, billions of dollars is, is nearly doubled his net worth uh, over the last uh, seven or eight months. And and what that means is that, uh, you you know, the the average American, and, and, you know, some people will say, well, Adam, didn't you notice that Americans are slipping into poverty? No, no, no. This this is really coming out of the middle class and and the the working class and and, and not the poor. This is making government more capable of taking care of the poor. I think this is very appropriate to see that Jeff Bezos is getting so much richer. And what's what's worth pointing out here? is that when you get into that superclass of, uh, of global human overlords like, like Jeff Bezos, that you're not just the CEO of Amazon. You're also the owner of the Washington Post and perhaps soon-to-be owner of CNN. And what, that, what this means is, I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm so excited by this. You know, some, sometimes this, this stuff happens faster than we anticipate. But when you, when you're a statist like myself, and and you understand the value uh, that you know uh, of humanity marching forward together in lockstep, that we are unified, that we're all on the same page, the more that we can have singular control over the society-wide narrative the better off we will be, you know, and that's that's why I'm so excited to see stories like this. Um, As we've seen historically, uh, sort of in in, in recent decades now, um, there are a number of uh, major media conglomerates. I think the statistic is something like six corporations control 90% of the media impressions in the United States. And, and really, that's great progress to see how unified the messaging has become. But obviously, we still have a long ways to go, because if they were all owned by one person, maybe Jeff Bezos is going to be this savior of society. Yeah, and, and you see what he's done for consumerism. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Bezos ends up being the, uh, the ruler of all media. And, and that gets us to a point where we really are on the same page and we have a singular controlled narrative. And, and in terms of, you know, most people not having to think for themselves, I think that's amazing. Maybe this show even would be unnecessary. So congratulations to Jeff Bezos for, for really stepping up as, uh, as an overlord. And, and, and I, I hope, uh, you know, I hope that he'll have even more of a role with, with CNN than with the Washington Post in terms of uh, making sure that we have a narrative of, of unity, conformity, and obedience. So uh, yeah, maybe next week Jeff Bezos will be the winner of the Sheeple's Choice Award. Again, this week our, our winner is, is Joe Rogan. But um, let's—I don't think we have any other uh, critical headlines to get to today. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get back to the comments to wrap this up with the last few minutes of the show. Comment, Jim. Let's get you back on stage here. How you doing, yo, brother? Yo. What's going on? I think, we, I think we've had a really uh, informative episode today. I think it's been very helpful.
2: Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of content to process. Uh, Craig Daugherty says China is a great example. So easy, one party, no trouble deciding who to vote for. Also what a beautiful wall. Keeps out bad people and citizens can't wander off.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and and as the you know, Great Wall of China is now joined by the Great Firewall of China, we, we see the value in government walls more than ever.
2: So we have an ineligible person, a person that's already a member of the Producers Club, giving a good answer for the contest I wanted to bring up, the Nobel Fleece Prize. Clever, but still not as good as Sheeple's Choice. Okay, okay, fair enough. Definitely a contender, though. I did like that one. It's a good play on the same idea, right? Reclaiming the Sheeple. So those uh, – uh, when you were bringing up that story about the, the Thanksgiving rules that people are having, Statis wanted to point out that those heroes are putting their lives on the line interviewing in virus-infested homes.
0: Yeah. Again, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe I missed that angle. That's It's really important to point out, again, that um, today especially, or, or in today's world especially, not only are we uh, grateful and appreciative of our, our brave law enforcement officers in the United States, but that we recognize the the extra threat that they face in enforcing law in general when every interaction with another human being could expose them to the coronavirus. And, and so uh, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's this, this would be a very important time. Uh, to send the police more money. And, and, again, if government were stronger in the United States, this wouldn't be necessary. But in times like this, it's really important for us to step up and and uh, become government a little bit ourselves to, you know, in, enforce these laws as best we can, and, and you know, and, and against our neighbors, uh, to report them to the authorities to make sure that they know what's going on, But it it might even be an appropriate time if you have access to to extra PPE, personal protective equipment, or just money. If you want to make a straight-up donation, you know, let the police know that that they have your support in forcing these uh, coronavirus uh, restrictions and regulations.
2: Fair enough. Okay. Um, let's see. Empty Matter brings a fun fact. He says, Jeff Bezos can bench press two full bags of organic soybean from Whole Foods.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot to point out that
2: uh, Jeff Bezos,
0: Amazon, also bought Whole Foods. So, uh, you know, just another beautiful example of, of Bezos really stepping into his role as a kind of global overlord. You know, I mean, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of people resisting that kind of effort. Um, But, you know, he he does effectively own Whole Foods. And, uh, you know, so he's not just stepping into media, but stepping into control of the food supply. And, uh, you know, I I, great things. I I look forward to great things from, from Jeff Bezos in the near future.
2: So Craig Doherty suggests there should be a law against Christmas carolers, large groups of people spreading COVID door to door, modern day terrorists. What do you think about that? Oh my gosh! I
0: didn't. How did I miss that? Well, you know, it's, I'm not really in the Christmas mood yet, even though we had a couple Christmas stories today. But Craig, you are you are absolutely correct, and um, I, I hope that enough Americans write to their their local law enforcement in time. Uh, or their their state governors to make sure that their state policy uh, against caroling this year, because holy crap, you want to talk about super spreaders, that would be very dangerous.
2: Last one, unicorny one a COVID vaccine might be available soon. Thank God for Bill Gates. Yeah, no, see, Bill
0: Gates is, you know, like, Je- like Jeff Bezos, another one of our, uh, you know, billionaire overlords. And I, I think, you know, I... You know, I've met Bill Gates, and I'm proud to say that I've, I've shaken his hand, actually, um, at a at – a, uh, at, 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 it was actually at a birthday party for someone who worked for him, uh, who was friends with, with my parents at the time. And, you know, when I shook his hand, it, it really was electrifying. It was just – to, 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 to touch greatness, to feel the power of Bill Gates, to know that – uh, and th- by the way, this was like 20 years ago. I was—I think I was a teenager when, when I met him, and um, I didn't really recognize. But I see now, 20 years on from that, how how much he has really progressed as an overlord, and especially how he stepped up and in, in, around Corona. It's really beautiful to see.
2: There he is, the man, the legend.
0: Yes, are the great Bill Gates.
2: Okay, Craig Darty says, the media should be owned by the government. Then they could talk directly to the people with no middleman.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Have faith in government. It marches
2: us forward. Outstanding. Are we doing any good news today?
0: I don't think we need to. I mean, there's so much good news that we've covered Already about how much government is progressing. I think we can just wrap it up with that. But if that's it from the comments, let's get to our, uh, our promos and, and, and put a bow on this one, shall we? All right. Yeah. Don't forget to go to CigarFederation.com where promo code ADAM10, A-D-A-M, all caps one zero gets you 10% off. Don't forget to go to Make Them Debate. We forgot this one earlier in the show today, but this is a lot of fun. We have a deb- debate manager. For Adam loves the man. We can make some really awesome debates happen there. So please check it out, make them You can find my profile there. There's only one Kokesh, K-O-K-E-S-H, easy to find me. And then if, uh, you know, if you want to see how to support the show on Patreon, go to our website right here, adamlovestheman.com, and you can find the links there. Who was it, Jim, that, that, that won today's contest with the Sheeple's Choice Award?
2: Our intrepid producer CJ.
0: CJ was the one who came up with People's Choice. Yes. Oh, well, there it is. Our executive producer, better than the rest of our audience figures, right? So, oh, CJ?
1: No, I just, I'm coming on to gloat. That's
0: all. You yeah. To come on to be. Good call. Good, good, good gloating shout out to yourself there. That was nice. So, um then uh congratulations to CJ for being the smartest one in our audience today. That's why he's the executive producer. And uh I guess I guess that's uh that's our show, right to Anything else? No? All right. Well then don't forget war and slavery all choose obedience and don't forget to report your suspicious neighbors to the authorities.